I want to say Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for today. We certainly thank you for blessing us and being able to be in your house of worship today, Father. And Lord, we thank especially for Father's Day. And Father, we think of you, Father, that gave it all, Father. And Father, we're so grateful that we can look to you for guidance in our lives, Father. Thank you for all the fathers. And thank you for those that have lost their fathers. We, we think of those that have mourned them, Father. And Lord, we pray that you would comfort them during this time, Father. Lord, there is so much uh, emotions and things going on in the world that we don't even know about, but you do, Father. And Father, we are so grateful we can commit it all to you. And Father, we pray especially that the fathers would stand up and be the fathers that you are, Father, loving, caring, patient, and Father, that you gave it all, Father. And Lord, we ask that you would bless this day for your honor and glory, and may everything that we do glorify your name. In Christ's name we ask, amen. Thank you, and if you would, stand with us as we do our first song, How Great Is Our God. Oh, 
God, it's uh, it's, whew. it's it's crazy to stand here and, and uh, say it's who I am, and you and you go, it's good with me. It's humbling, but we know we have we stand perfectly righteous in front of you because of your son who uh, bore our sins on a cross, died for our sins, paid the price that you required. You made it up, and you require that. And it's, uh, it's just humbling. God, I know how much I, I worked so hard in my life to get my father's approval, and, and uh, I don't think I ever did, really. And uh, so I know. And I think many of us do know that how hard it is sometimes to please men, um, even though they love us and care for us and protect us and everything. But we we know that uh, you you love us and, and that you uh, you see us as okay. We're perfect. It's amazing, God. Thank you for that beautiful example of how you loved your Son Jesus on this earth, and you and He taught us how to love the Father as a son. And uh, it's, it's, it's just an example that we don't see anywhere else in the world. We don't see it through any other faith, any other religion, any other philosophy. We only see it through Jesus and his relationship with you, the Father. God. Because you're one. You are as one as, as uh, any t- two things could ever possibly be. God, thank you for Father's Day, that the chance we get to celebrate and and. And think of our fathers and and um, and bless them and tell them the, uh, how much we do love them and appreciate what they do, even so sometimes they're imperfect just as we are. God, um, I ask now that uh, I pray for our, for uh, Mac, our associate pastor here, is going to speak and and deliver a message. Um, we just thank you that you how rich we are as a church and congregation here with so many great teachers and pastors and speakers, and we are so blessed, Father God. Anyway, be with Mac as he breaks the Word of God open to us and teaches us. Allow your Holy Spirit to mold us, change us, and make us to be who you are and conform even more to your image. We ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. And I just want to, you know, Father's Day is always fun because on Mother's Day, we say, oh, what a great job mothers do. And on Father's Day, we say, you dads need to, you know, don't we? We always do. Hey, get on, you know, do your job. And uh, so today I'm going to go about it different. I just want to encourage you um, because you're already doing it. And that's, that's the way I'm coming at it. And so uh, from Deuteronomy chapter 6, uh, the Bible says, honor your fathers. And we want to honor fathers today um, uh, just because it's Father's Day. And I want to start by just giving you some some quotes from famous theologians um, that, uh, that have talked about fathers. The first is from uh, Jim Gaffigan. He said, you know what it's like having your fourth kid? It's like you're drowning, and then somebody hands you a baby. <laughs> I think that's hilarious. 
Or uh, Steve Martin said, a father carries pictures where his money used to be. <laughs> I like that one. Uh, this is one of my favorites. Ryan Reynolds, I don't know if you know Ryan Reynolds. He said, on our 6 a.m. walks, my daughter asks where the moon goes each morning. I let her know it goes into heaven, visiting daddy's freedom. <laughs> okay, that one is, is not as funny as I thought it would be. Um, <clears throat> Jim Gaffigan said, there should be a song. If you're happy and you know it, keep it to yourself and let dad sleep. <laughs> I thought that was good. Um, Rodney Dangerfield said, I remember the time I was kidnapped and they sent a piece of my finger to my father. He wanted more proof. <laughs> yeah, see, I thought that was funny. Mark Ruffalo said, if you're not yelling at your kids, you're not spending enough time with them. He may be right. And um, my personal favorite, Jerry Seinfeld, said a two-year-old is like having a blender, but you don't have the top for it. <laughs> Isn't that true? Just makes noise and blurts stuff out all over the place. Uh, hey, we honor dads because being a dad is such an important job. Dads are protectors, and you know you always feel safe when dad is around. Dads provide for us. They give us everything that we need. Dads can fix anything, usually with duct tape and zip ties. And, and dads seem to be able to kill any bug that wanders in the house when everybody is running away. Um, dads always seem to know just what to do and, and how to do it. And so if you're a dad here today, we honor you. And I'd just like to read uh, from Deuteronomy and talk a little bit about being a dad. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your sons and talk to them when you sit down in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. Let's pray together. Father, Lord, I pray that we would be dads that you would be proud of. Guide us through uh, this time today. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our King. Amen. Well, you know, General Douglas MacArthur was a pretty famous guy. He was a five-star general in World War II. He was the supreme commander of all allied forces uh, in the Pacific theater during World War II. He was a winner of Congressional Medal of Honor. After the war, he was in charge of rebuilding the nation of Japan. And when we went to Korea, he was the head, uh, the commander of all Korean forces, all the UN forces in Korea. One night in 1942, he came home. The world was engulfed in war. And he came home. He went upstairs where his son was sleeping. He kissed him goodnight. And then he went back downstairs to his desk and he wrote a prayer for his son. I'd just like to read you part of the prayer that Douglas MacArthur wrote for his son. He said, build me a son, O Lord, who will be strong enough to know when he is weak and brave enough to face himself when he's afraid. One who will be proud and unbending in honest defeat and humble and gentle in victory. Build me a son, O Lord, whose wishbone will not be where his backbone should be. Build me a son who will know and honor you, who will learn from stress and difficulty to stand up in the storms, but also have compassion for those who fall. Build me a son, O Lord, whose heart will be clean, 
whose goals will be high, a son who will master himself before he seeks to master others, a son who will learn to laugh yet never forget how to weep. Then I as a father will dare to whisper, I have not lived in vain. That is a great prayer. This is a five-star general, the commander of all allied forces in, this, in the, the Pacific theater. I mean, this is a big guy, and yet when, when he says, I will not have lived in vain, he didn't talk about any of that. He talked about having a son that would grow to be a genuine man of God. Today's Father's Day, and that's what we want to talk about, being an effective dad, being a godly dad. Uh, because it's one of the most demanding jobs. It's one of the most important jobs in the world. And if you don't believe that, let me give you some statistics that back that up. 43% of children in the United States live in fatherless homes. Think about that for a minute. It's probably more now. Because of that, listen to these statistics. 90% of homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. 80% of rapists come from fatherless homes. 71% of pregnant teenagers come from fatherless homes. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. 85% of children who exhibit behavior disorders come from fatherless homes. 90% of adolescent repeat arsonists come from fatherless homes. 71% of high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. 75% of adolescent patients in chemical abuse centers come from fatherless homes. 70% of juveniles in state-operated institutions come from fatherless homes. 85% of youths in prison grew up in fatherless homes. Fatherless boys and girls are twice as likely to drop out of high school, twice as likely to end up in jail, four times more likely to need help for emotional or behavioral problems. That's what happens when dads aren't home. And the question then becomes, well, then why is it that dads don't show up for work? Well, there are a couple of reasons. Number one, much of our society opposes biblical truth. And, and, and our nation has written into law things that oppose biblical truth. Let me give you an example. In 1964, uh, the Great Civil Rights Act of 1964 dictated that more money would be given to single mothers than, than mothers with husbands. And they actually have government officials that go around and check and make sure that there is no man living in the house because those ladies are getting more money on welfare if they have a fatherless home. That encourages fatherless homes. In our society today, there is an organization that if you go to their website, it says this. They clearly support uh, the LGBT community in their efforts to raise children. They oppose all male headship of any organization, anywhere, and their goal is to disrupt the Western-prescribed nuclear family structure. 
You say, well, who would be a part of that? It's amazing how many millions of Christians are marching in the street with that organization today. And if I named it, you would know it because you've heard it on the news. Probably know already. Our society is opposed to anything God does, basically. Second reason dads don't show up for work is because being a dad is hard work. I mean, it just is. My dad used to tell me, if you're going to do something, do it with everything you've got. And you know, that goes right along with what our Heavenly Father says in the Bible. For example, Colossians 3, 23, whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord, not for men. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whether then you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. And so how can we be good fathers? How can we become the dads that our kids need? Well, there's a price to pay for being a good dad. If you're going to be a good dad, it, 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 it demands a price. And, and, and so if you're here today and you're a, you're a dad of young children or teenage children, or if you've got adult children, or if you're a married guy but you don't have kids yet, or if you're a single guy, you want to get married someday and have kids, this is for you too. Uh, because when you become a dad, you, your kids are going to be looking at you to see what God is like. They're going to determine what God is like based on what you do and the way you act. So I want to give you four prices to pay for being a good dad today. And I'll go through these quickly because I know you guys are doing this and I want to be an encouragement. I don't want to be pointing a finger at you, okay? So here we go. Price number one is the price of a personal relationship. An effective father has to cultivate a deep and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus himself said, without me, you can do nothing. And without the power of Christ flowing through our lives, um, no father is able to deny himself and, 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 and live the way he should live in order to be effective dad. Uh, no dad's going to have the courage to, to do the things that he needs to do to be an effective dad. No, no, no dad is going to have the wisdom or the self-control to be able to do the things that he needs to do to balance his life, to balance the tenderness and the toughness that he needs to be an effective dad. In other words, when it comes to being a dad, every one of us is in over our heads. I mean, we're just, it just is, is the way it is. And every dad will tell you that. Well, you, think about when you received your first child. You go to the hospital, you're a married couple, you're having fun, and then they hand you a baby. And you're like Jim Gaffigan, what do I do with this? We're all in over our heads. So if you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, that's where it begins. Because you can't give away what you don't have. And so you've got to start by saying, okay, I want to have a personal, a deep personal relationship with Jesus Christ so that I can then uh, lead my children in the way they should go and lead them by example. That's where it starts. Price number two that you're going to have to pay, and that is priorities. An effective father invests a lot of time in his children, and it's going to have to be a priority. Henry Cisneros, he was a HUD secretary, former head of housing and urban development. He said this, one of the most important things that we have to do is find ways to re-engage fathers in the lives of their children. Father-absent children are the most likely to get into trouble. Children need their fathers not merely as a source of income, but as an important element 
in their development. Dr. Benjamin Stein has said this in an article called Simple Rules for Dads. He said, the key to having happy children is having a dad who is there for him or her consistently, day in and day out. And in saying these things, all of these experts are saying exactly what it says here in Deuteronomy 6. These words, which I'm commanding you today, shall be on your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your sons. And talk to them when you sit down in your house, when you walk in the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. And it's the clear assumption of Deuteronomy that dads aren't just occasional visitors uh, with their kids. They are there consistently, constantly, ongoingly. And this demands that we spend large amounts of quantity time with our kids. You say, but Mac, what about quality time? I spend quality time with my kids. Well, to answer that, let me give you the response of Ronald Levant. He's a doctor of psychology at Harvard Medical School. And here's what he said. He says, quality time is just a way of deluding ourselves into shortcoming our children. Children need vast amounts of parental time and attention. It's an illusion to think that they're going to be on your timetable and that you can say, okay, I've got a half an hour. Let's go with it. Many of those most important elements in a child's life, regular routines, rituals, consistency of life, and the sense that their parents know and care about them are exactly what is jettisoned when quality time substitutes for quantity time. If we're going to be effective dads, we're going to have to give our children quantity time. You say, but Mac, man, I mean, we live in Southern California, and even though we've got this pandemic going on and most have been home for a long time, we're still busy. We're, we're, where's that time going to come from? Well, the reality is that time has to come from somewhere. Maybe it's the time that we spend playing golf or watching television or reading the newspaper. It's got to come from somewhere. You see, it's a matter of priorities, and your priority has to be your children as a dad. Dr. Christopher uh, Bacon said this. He said in an article, Dear Dad, Save Your Sons. He said this, I have come to believe that adolescent boys don't need shrinks. They need their fathers. And with their fathers around, many young women might come to expect more than the myth that man's chief purpose in life is to impregnate them and then disappear. But what has become of these fathers? Where are they? Well, I can tell you where they're not. They're not at PTA meetings or piano recitals. They're not teaching Sunday school or at the pediatrician's office holding a sick child. So if they're not in these places, where are they? They're in diners and taverns, drinking, playing pool, on the golf course or tennis court, uh, bowling alleys, or fishing on lakes and streams. They're working their jobs from early morning to late at night, or watching television, or tending to their lawn, or tuning up the car. In short, they're everywhere except in the company of their children. Of course, there are fathers who spend quality and quantity time with their children. Those who quietly help with homework and baths and laundry and grocery shopping. Fathers who read to their children, drive them to ballet lessons, cheer at their soccer games. These are the real men of America, the ones holding society together. Every one of them is worth a dozen investment bankers, a boardroom full of corporate executives, and all the lawmakers west of the Mississippi. You know, I think he's absolutely right. Price number three you got to pursue your kids. An effective father pursues his kids by confronting them when they're wrong. 
Listen to what the Bible says. Ephesians 6, verse 4. Fathers, bring your children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Listen to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 9. Therefore, we all had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for that. 1 Thessalonians 2, 11, I know how we exhorted and encouraged and admonished each of you just as a father does his children. Notice that the Bible puts the job of admonishing and correcting and disciplining his children on fathers, not mothers, fathers. The Bible is full of examples of fathers who fail to do this. I think of Eli. He had two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. He never confronted them, never disciplined them. They were completely out of control. Uh, In the same way, you have Isaac with with Jacob and and Esau. You have Jacob then with his 12 sons, didn't discipline them. But the king of all was King David. He was probably the worst of all. In 1 Kings 1 verse 6, it says that David had a son named Adonijah who was trying to take away his kingdom, trying to, uh, to force his dad out and become king in his place. And here's what, uh, here's what the Bible says about David. It says, his father David never crossed Adonijah at any time by asking him, why are you acting that way? What in the world are you doing? What were you thinking? David never said that. Say, well, maybe Adonijah was a good boy. I'm here to tell you there's never been a good boy born that didn't at some point in his life need his dad to come along and say, what are you thinking? I know that because I was that boy. (laughs) I was a good boy, but I needed my dad occasionally to say, what are you doing? And you know, all these children of fathers, like I said, they all turned out to be horrible people. They crashed and burned. Why? Because their dads wouldn't confront them. In Time Magazine, Dr. Gerald Shapiro, in an article called Bringing Up Father, said this, while I commend the nurturing complaint of the new father, men need to be more than pale imitations of mothers. If a man becomes Mr. Mom, then the family has a mom and an assistant mom. This is not what good fathers are about. Men parent differently than women in ways that matter enormously. One of the greatest places where this is true is in the area of confrontational discipline. And the problem is that confronting, disciplining, admonishing is so stressful. It takes so much time and it takes so much energy that most dads just say, oh, go do whatever it is you want to do and just leave me alone. But a godly dad understands that in doing that, we're letting our children down at the very point where they need us the most. And so a godly dad is willing to pay the price in time and energy and and effort to correct and confront his children. And that ministry of confrontation doesn't end when your child turns 18 or 21. I can tell you that my children did some of the stupidest thing they've ever done after their 18th birthday. And I would list them for them, but most of them are here. And, <laughs> and, uh, and I want my Father's Day gifts. So uh, <laughs> let's just be honest. <laughs> you got to pay the price to pursue your kids. Number four, and that is simply praise. An effective father speaks words of blessing and encouragement and affirmation to his children. 
A godly father never leaves his children wondering what he thinks. It's true, a father may confront them when they're wrong, but at the same time, a father must be quick to affirm and encourage them and lift them up when they get it right. And I love the story of uh, Genesis 24. Rebecca is getting ready to leave her home. Uh, the servant of Abraham has come 300 miles to her town, which is called Nahor, and he's, he's picked her to marry Isaac, and he's going to take her back. And when she realizes this is God's will and she's going to do it, it says her father, knowing he probably was never going to see her again, gathered the family around her. And in verse 60 of Genesis 24, it says they blessed Rebecca. He gathers the family around and he says, I want you to know, Rebecca, how proud I am of you. I'm proud of the woman that you are. I'm proud of the godliness that you exemplify. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of the fact that you're willing to leave your home and travel all this way, not knowing what waits for you to marry Isaac because you think it's God's will. I'm proud of you for the godly woman you are. A father's affirmation has a powerful impact on his children, especially sons. Similar words from mothers just simply don't have the same effect. A son will forgive his father almost anything if that son can hear in whatever way, at whatever age, his dad's genuine affirmation. And so this Father's Day, as we fathers accept presents and phone calls and, and whatever else, um, let's give our kids the gift that they desire the most from us. The gift that... They want so desperately, but will never ask for. Simple words expressed sincerely. Son, I'm proud of you. Daughter, I'm proud of you. So let's conclude. As fathers, God wants us to be able to look back on our children and be able to whisper with General Douglas MacArthur, I have not lived in vain. But to do that, we got to be special kinds of dads. We gotta have a personal relationship that we've cultivated with Jesus Christ so that we can pass that along to our children. We've gotta prioritize our time and know that the top priority in our life is not our golf game, it's our children. We've got to, to pursue our children and confront them when they do wrong, and then we've gotta praise them when they do right. Encourage them, give them affirmation. And you'll find all kinds of reasons uh, not to focus on being a great dad. Find all kinds of reasons why you can say, yeah, uh, I'll do that tomorrow. But if you're a dad here today, or a granddad, or, or, or a stepdad, or a foster dad, or, or an adoptive dad, the, the bottom line is the world is going to tell you that dads don't really matter. You do. The world is going to tell you that all masculinity is toxic. It's not. The world is going to tell you that the Bible's way are old and out of date, not true. They still work. The truth is, this is the kind of father God wants us to be. But we'll never do it without his grace and his help. This is the goal, to be that kind of dad. And so for all you fathers who chose family camp over vacations to Hawaii or Tahiti or the Bahamas, for all of you dads who eat chicken nuggets at the drive-thru instead of steak and potatoes at the nice restaurants. For all you dads that drive minivans instead of sports cars or F-250s. 
God bless you. Keep up the good work. Happy Father's Day. Let's pray together. Father, today, we want to look just like you. Because most of us have kids that want to be just like us. Help us to teach them what it's like to be a good father. Help us to live in a way that shows just how great you are. And then may we dare to whisper, I have not lived in vain. Thank you for that privilege. Thank you for being a good father to us so that we can be a good father to our children. And may we strive to be good dads till we take our very last breath. And we'll thank you for that every day of our lives. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Stand with us, would you? And sing.
with God.